Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp career or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. Zach joins us today to tell us about his experience in the Scouting BSA organization with a decade of camp experience. Zach mostly worked on staff at the Lake of the Ozarks Scout Reservation, but also gained experience in the National Youth Leadership Training, also known as NYLT, and at the National Camping School. We are both music educators and talk about how our experience at camp has shaped the way that we lead in our classrooms. Just a heads up, our interview does have some static, especially towards the end when Zach is sharing his favorite song, NASCAR Chicken Wing. So I've included a link for you to check it out in the show notes. You definitely don't want to miss it. So without further ado, let's meet Zach. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell us who you are? Taught middle school for three years and master's degree down there from Missouri State in choral conducting. So I am a choir teacher. That is my profession. And I am this recording from just right next to Worlds of Fun in Kansas City. We didn't quite overlap at our time at Missouri State University, but it was we close. Have that yeah. <laughs> yes. So, oh my goodness. But we do share a background in camp experience. So I'd love for you mm-hmm. to go ahead and dive into that. Did you experience camp growing up as well? Yeah. I lived in Florida with my family. And my parents were very involved in scouting. My brother was involved with scouting. He's younger than I was and got involved with our scout troop. And we did pretty much everything you can imagine that a scout would do growing up. And camp was always a huge part of our summers. Most of the time at Lake of the Ozark Scout Reservation um, was our main one that we did. And that's actually the camp that I ended up working for, the aquatic staff, and then eventually being a director there. So yeah, camp has been a, a huge part of my life growing up. Wow, that's incredible. So you've had camp experience mostly here in Missouri. You said that you lived in Florida. Were you involved in camp at all down there as well? Um, likely. It was more day camp. I was younger, so I don't know if I could actually name the specific camps. But um, I always have really fond memories, and especially in Cub Scouts, where each year you go back, you get to stay at camp one day longer, usually than the day before. And then you kind of build your way up to in the Boy Scouts or just the older program, you get to save for the full week. So yeah, it was uh, just something I always looked forward to going back and doing. Did you venture off into other organizations as well? Pretty much all of it is tethered in, under Scout BSA. I think there was another camp that was also at Lake the Ozarks Scout Reservation that operated right after the regular summer camp season was over. And that was called NYLT, which is Youth Leadership Training. So yeah. actually that was my, yeah, yeah. Have you heard about that program before? Oh, yeah. That was actually the very first camp staff that I was ever a part of. And as you know, as people probably know, that is more focused on just communication skills, leadership training, team building. And that was so formative for me as a young educator. And that's kind of what pushed me into wanting to be a teacher. I started doing both. So I was both the summer camp staff and NYLT staff at the same time. So I just lived at camp pretty much every summer. Yeah. Well, you had already previously mm-hmm. mentioned you have a lot of your experience in the aquatics area of camp. Yes. Describe your, if you were to have like a camp resume, what were all the different things that you worked for or did during your summer on staff? Oh my gosh. I love this question because whenever my students now ask me like, what was your first job? Because kind of at that age where a lot of them work for grocery stores or 
there working at fast food. And I always get to brag that my first job ever, I was, when I was hired, it was the second year that they had the jet ski program on Lake of the Ozarks and they needed to kind of take over. So I was 15, I was 15 or 16 when I started that program and talk about best job ever in charge of this fleet of about six jet skis to teach people how to drive them and then just to get paid to drive around the lake and make sure everyone stayed safe but you're still on a jet ski so it was a great job that was my main job for about two years and oh and while i was doing that i was also teaching like swimming merit badge and life-saving merit badge as well then the camp grew and they built a pool and they needed someone to go up there and be the pool manager and they saw me and the jet skis and were like well he seems responsible with all those thousand dollar pieces of equipment. And I'm proud to say I never turned the pool a weird color. It always stayed within the right levels, but that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah. That was always something the Rangers would joke around. And I grew very close to them because of that experience. Facility management was an area for growth <laughs> for me when I was growing up, but they really taught me how to be responsible and how to just take the appropriate levels every single day. So really pretty much anything aquatic that you could potentially list at a camp, I had a hand in at some point. We had scuba diving, we had lifeguard training that I helped with, and, and it ended up facilitating. So I had a fleet of sailboats, large and small sailboats that we did. We did tubing out and abouts where we had troops come out and we would drag them on tubes. And it was my job to make sure that our staff members were doing it safely <laughs> and not just, you know, the fun, crazy tubing experiences you probably had growing up on the lake. We did so much at the camp. Water polo is always my favorite. I loved organizing the teams and developing brackets. So Wow. I did not realize there were jet skis and water polo and all of those sorts of yeah. things. Yeah. I'm sorry for being long-winded about some of these answers. There's just so much that kind of went into that chapter of my life that it's, it's fun to reflect on. And it really just laid the groundwork for kind of the teacher and person that I am now. So this is fun. It's great to talk about this experience. Oh my gosh. And yeah, feel free to be as long-winded as you like. That's what this podcast <laughs> is here for. So. Oh, great. All I need is permission. I'm going to check with the current program director there because we're still good friends. But <laughs> okay, here's why I think it's called a reservation over just a camp because the facility is, is so big and they offer programming year round. I'm assuming that they're using that term just because it's not just one camp. Anywhere from day camp to family outings to cope and different high, like kind of high adventure things, they have a ropes course there. There's so much that goes on in that facility that I think that's why they chose that more broader term. And even over the summer, uh, we would have different groups come in kind of on the weekends during our quote unquote time off. And we could volunteer to help run those events for additional pay. So there's just so much that went on. I think that's why they use that term. So thank you for that explanation. Yeah. You mentioned yeah, they offer programming year round. Not usually. There's part of the scouts is Order of the Arrow. It's there one of the honor societies. Like I know yeah. more in Springfield, it's like, it's like I said, the other honor society that's kind yeah. of down there but there's also order of the arrow and i was involved with that program so i was usually pretty involved in helping the service projects and facilitating kind of different teams that would go out and do things but yeah i mean other than that i was a college student <laughs> for a lot of time so i couldn't always be down there at camp when i wanted to be but i always looked forward to coming back during the summer they just offer so much at the camp and they want to make sure that it's utilized um, like one of the main things uh, i'm not sure if you saw it on the website but they have the sinkfield invention lab up there, they have owners that that really do care about this camp being cutting edge. So they have a whole facility, um, actually multiple facilities that's dedicated to like 3D printing and technology, woodworking, just more innovation type things. And I know that 
is a part of the camp that is accessible year-round whenever groups want to come in and use those facilities. We would be just doing our regular flag ceremony or, or things on the top side of camp, and we would just hear this buzz. It was usually one of the campers flying these drones around and collecting footage for the camp. So really, really exciting stuff happening. Did sure. facilities ever utilize camp names at all? Yes and no. Sometimes when we had multiple staff members with the same name, we giving some of them different nicknames like we had some of my favorite people we had two grants and one of them was just regular grant and then we had little grant <laughs> so sometimes you know it's pretty typical stuff i don't think we ever got super carried away so the amount of times that i was called stelzer and part of that was because there was another zach on the staff as well so and honestly it was it was great because it really helped me get acclimated to student last name. <laughs> there was never that awkward <laughs> adjustment period of Mr. Stelzer. I don't, I've been so used to people calling me Stelzer. And now I actually prefer it. My just call it by last name all the time. We just leave off the Mr. <laughs> no, you're right. That definitely gets you ready for being in the classroom. We had very strong camp names, really embodied that. You said you had about 10 summers of camps. What made you keep mm -hmm. coming back all of that time? I look back on, on those times at camp so fondly and i'm actually really fortunate some of the people that i was on camp staff actually live um, in liberty and around the area and every now and then we'll reconnect and just kind of talk about what it was like to be on staff um, and i think for anyone that's ever worked on a camp staff can really relate to this feeling of family you really are growing up with these people and very similar to school when you're away from home you really bond with the people around you very closely and you're looking to them for do if i'm kind of doing the right thing and you know you spend a lot of time connecting with those people after the evening program was done the staff could kind of relax and unwind and we usually bring out board games that kind of fostered board games and collecting things because i would always love to bring some new board game to camp the next year so it really was just this evolving friendship as we became older staff members and we had younger staff members to kind of help train up. I just really fell in love with culture and that pivoted really nicely into teaching. As soon as I became a director in the aquatics area that we could team teach pretty much every single merit badge and everyone would have an assistant. And it really made me love just watching and getting them to function as a team. I actually just started watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> this is kind of an aside on Apple TV. And watching that show and, and the leadership that is embodied really reminds me of camp because that's what everyone loved to come back. That was so eloquently put too. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, really? I got I to gotta give it up. Rangers that we had um, at the camp, they were, um, both of them, we had, we had two Rangers. Steve Wilsey was our main one. And then Justin Tadich, they just embodied so much servant leadership in everything that, did, that they did. To use that buzzword from NYLT, um, <laughs> they were this quiet, kind of in the background, spoke up when they needed to, but they were always getting things done and almost never looked notice what they were doing. And I really loved that growing up. It really did teach me so much about humility and about just what it means to be of service to other people. And as I became the director, there were many times where I didn't know what to do as a leader or having some sort of staff conflict. They would invite me up to Smith's house at night and we would always just sit around a fire. And um, Justin would usually be kind of tinkering around with something in his workshop right next to the fire and, and we'd just be standing around. And we would just talk about the, our days and the problems that we had. And there was always this space that would exist. I would usually talk about something and then it would Let's kind of look at the fire. And then someone would say something or provide insight. I don't know, peaceful way to deal with, with things. And then the next day always seemed very fresh and they would always check up. So they were my mentors. The day I could call probably either one of them, it would be like no time had passed at all.
So. Wow. That's wonderful. And it seems like they really knew how to facilitate process, which I have come to find by that is so important as a staff member. You have to find time mm-hmm. each day to be able to debrief what had gone on. And, and it's much easier to do when you're by a campfire. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that is something when I started teaching in my very first year, my parents kept telling me every single time I got nervous, they kept saying, it's just like camp. There is no difference mm-hmm. between the, the kids that are in front of you and the kids that you have been teaching for the past 10 years. Like, there's no difference. You have to understand that those skills transfer over. In my first year, I thought I had to act a certain way or, you know, just be a certain person uh, when, as a music teacher versus a camp counselor. And it wasn't until I really understood, oh, these are all camp kids. Like, everyone's a camp kid in their heart, whether they know it or not. And the Rangers gave me and my experience on camp gave me, enabled me to give kids that space and understanding. When I had a kid that was having a rough day, rather than just jump on their case and try to and really force them to do what I want them to do, learned the camp skill or I learned how to apply it of, hey, let's talk maybe right after this. And then just opening up this conversation of, hey, what's going on? Are you which is something that I would do at camp all the time. But it took me a while to learn how to apply that in my teaching career. I'm so glad you shared that. I had the same insecurity when I went into the teaching oh, really? world. And, which is probably why any breaks in between my undergraduate and my graduate degree program. Because I didn't feel like I was ready. And I, Oh, really? Wow. I was an assistant camp director mm-hmm. last summer of my undergraduate degree. So it's not that I hadn't developed leadership skills. It's not that I mm-hmm. didn't know management or didn't know how to teach, it was that I had no confidence in myself because I thought that yeah. there was a stark difference. You are exactly right. It's the same. And I loved how you said everyone's a camp kid. I wrote that down. Just so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to between different parts of our lives. I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Especially being a camp counselor, we grow up at Philmont or your local camp and we build this identity around doing something that we truly love and our community supports. And we are so tempted to just wipe the slate clean. But everyone has to reach that point where you understand that everything that you have ever done in your life has become the person you are today. And those experiences are worth something, even if you're in a completely different setting. And there are so many things that I do as a teacher now that come from that camp experience. I think we just have to recognize and, and see the value in those experiences. What is the important lesson that you've learned from camp? The most important lesson. Um, uh, stay organized. <laughs> That's been my yeah. thing. When I became the director, well, I think it's a combination of two things. One is staying organized and the other would be it's that kind of staying calm in states of emergency. Usually the leadership element is that calm persona. So working on the aquatic staff, we were working, sometimes boats can be dangerous if they're not handled correctly. And even when they are handled correctly, Lake of the Ozarks is a very busy lake, especially as you get closer to 4th of July. So there were a lot of times working with these teenagers where we had to really understand kind of the weight of what we were doing and people could get hurt and what to do in the situations and just how I had to respond to that. While I was the director, we only ever had one jet ski quote unquote collision. That was a situation where a lot of things happened very quickly and we kind of just had to fall back into our training and react to what was happening in the moment. So I think that 
something that I pulled from that camp experience, the, the biggest lesson was always like why we do what we do as a camp staff, especially for aquatics. There was always this undertone of we're a team. The penultimate thing is, or I guess the ultimate thing is we are here to keep people safe while they enjoy these sports, whether that be swimming or sailing or jet skiing. So we always took our lifeguard training very seriously, but it was always balanced with this idea of teamwork and fun, learning how to build a team and an effective team that keeps people safe and keeps them having fun was a big skill that I took away from camp. And I have to say, I have seen bits and pieces of your lifeguard training, because if I understand it correctly, the scouts, their own lifeguard training. And like, there's other yes. organizations that you can go through to get started. Talk about <laughs> being the most skilled, but also learning the most safe. Yeah. And I was actually really fortunate. <laughs> I got invited. So in order to become an aquatics director, at least in Scouts BSA, you have to get sent to National Camp School. So I actually got sent. I went through that week-long program where we essentially learned how to teach the skills to other counselors, you know, teaching the teacher. And then the next year I scored high enough that I was invited to be on staff for national camp school. And I would have gone back again, but it conflicted with a choir trip of all things the following year. But that year being national camp school staff was incredible. It was probably one of the best experiences of my life to build a team of leaders really see the strengths and weaknesses that we all have as teachers throughout camp. And we would play so many different staff, staff-wide games. I think one of my favorite games, now I, I think I could tell this story and people might think I'm just a tad psychotic, but I promise I'm not. We played this game called Assassin. It's very similar to like the, the campus-wide game that a lot of schools will play, but with kind of a twist. So we would always get in a big circle at the beginning of every day. And I remember I was a third or fourth year staffer the first year we played this. It, it came from the COPE people. It's always them with the crazy games. They said, we're going to play assassin. And how it's going to work is we're going to give, like one person's going to be the assassin and they are trying to kill off the rest of the And at the end of every night before dinner, you can vote on who you think the assassin is. And if you're right, then they die and you win the game. If you're wrong, then you die, you know, as most of these games are. Super dramatic, tons of fun. And they would come up to you and they would kill you by tapping you on the shoulder twice. And then they would say some silly word like bubbles or fruitcake. And then you'd have to wait three seconds and then you would die. So it was the job of the assassin to be as sneaky and try to try to find people. And you couldn't do it during programming. You couldn't do it on the camper side. You always had to do it in staff areas. Sneaky with our program. And one time... I was elected to be the assassin and I was so excited and I kind of made it a goal that I would kill off like two or three people every day and you only had a week to do it. If even one person lived to the end of the final campfire, then you lost. So I knew that there was one day when I had like eight more people that I had to kill and I had only a day to do it. Sounds awful. So don't clip just that part of this um, recording. <laughs> but they were all, we had this lunch area right beneath our dining hall. There was like a ping pong table and a foosball table. And someone told me who had already died. He knew I was the assassin. He said, hey, what you need are down in that room. And so I went down there and I kind of peeked my head in and they didn't know I was the assassin. Um, everyone can't do a really good job keeping the identity secret when they were dead. And I remember peeking my head in, seeing they were all there. Some were playing video games, some were playing ping pong. And I found a broom. And I put the broom through the door so they wouldn't be able to open it from the other side. And then I walked around the building and I went in through the other door and I quickly ran through the entire room 
or saying, I think it was uh, butterfly or something that week. And like, as soon as people saw what I was doing, they like bolted and the door was locked. And so they were all just bunched up against this door, like screaming because I was killing everyone in the room. And so they all died. And then I learned that there had been one person that had escaped like through a window and so he had ran up to the dining hall where other people, other staff members wandered in knowing he was the last person. And usually you can't just kill someone in public. But I walked up to him and tapped him on the shoulder and he looked at me and said, what are you nuts? Like, everyone's here. Everyone knows you're the assassin now. And I just looked at him and said, all these people are dead. And <laughs> everyone <laughs> lost their minds. That was the first time that they'd ever, someone had lived that log and be able to kill that many people. So, but I think overall, just the the level of staff camaraderie and the games and the pranks that we would do, that's what made camp so much fun every single summer. You are the assassin king. I've never I'm dangerous. seen through <laughs> that game. Like I, mm-hmm. I worked at camps where we've started it so many times and then it just it just doesn't work out the way that we thought it would. But no, you just you dominated that game. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. And oh. I was a kind of a middle-aged person staffer. It was my fourth year, so I wasn't super old. I wasn't young. But that was the year when I had taken over the pool staff. So that built me a lot of street cred to be the assassin. All my staff really loved that their director, their manager, was the person that won the game that year. So <laughs> Never did I think that I would blank. Did I think that I would be doing these camp songs like now? <laughs> um, yes! I think that that's the answer. It wasn't really until the when I started college, which about halfway through my camp experience is when I knew I was going to be a music teacher. I kind of had this thought in my mind that every single time we did all these camp songs for, you know, the between 500 in our council ring, I was like, I could probably use this in, in a music classroom. And the natural place was like, I could do this in an element. But then as I actually started teaching and I started getting into my practicum experiences and my student teaching experience, then actually teaching at a middle school, these are like the best warm-ups ever. Like kids lose their minds when you start singing Fred the Moose or when you sing <laughs> Wisconsin Milk or any of these really obscure camp songs that camp people get. And if they had never been to camp, they just don't know what's going on. As soon as they see that I'm completely bought in and I expect them to do it too, there's just this switch that flips and they're like, oh, to be ridiculous. You know, I can be silly or I can be expressive and I'm not being judged for it because everyone's doing it. So I never thought be doing sessions and clinics on camp songs, but I've now presented my camp to curriculum presentation three different times for different conferences and we're looking to submit it for next year's Missouri Music Educators Conference for a general session. I didn't think I would be taking as a skill. <laughs> to, to people who are not in the camp community, our teaching is incredible as well. And I've interacted with you, but I've yet to still sit down and see your session. So I hope it's <laughs> that I can go and attend it finally. So that would be Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute blast. Um, and every single time, I mean, it seemed, especially when I do the session, week i'll have friends from springfield or columbia or really all over the state reach out and be like hey you don't know me but i saw your session and i immediately get up and send a voice memo of it everyone needs to know these songs because you can teach so many great musical skills through them i even made one time i made a spreadsheet of like all the camp songs that i knew it was over a hundred and then like i got really fancy and went like pedagogical applications of this camp song if an admin or someone else was like why are you doing this but also, like, here's just why it's fun. And then whenever I need an icebreaker, 
I may be helping out with, or even if my high school kids need to just shake it up and get some energy, I'll do those songs. Even just last week, we were getting ready for our Disney trip. I had one of the kids say, hey, Mr. Stelzer, can we do that Pizza Man song? Because that's my favorite song. And I almost said, that's my favorite song too, but then I would have had to do the song. So. <laughs> That really ties into my next question for you is what do you do now? I know you also teach Mm -hmm. sessions as well, but what else do you do now in your everyday life? Yeah. Oh, what a, I love this. Something new to say to this effect. I am officially a small business owner. Um, (gasps) Something. Congratulations. Another thing I never thought would really happen for me. But I don't know how much digging you did on me, but something that I really love to do is to sing sea shanties. And a few years ago, my friend Sean Vomond and I had this idea that we should get people together and sing these in public places. And it would be a fun way to introduce people to this idea of communal singing and just to raise awareness. It's very, very similar to camp songs. It's kind of that idea that everyone can do it. You don't need to be able to read music. You just need to show up and have a good time and everyone exciting. So we've officially become a organization, a corporation. We now have all our filing done. Yesterday, I actually opened an account. So it's really underway. And in fact, after this interview, I'm actually driving down to Springfield, (laughs) a Springfield Shanty Choir night at a local bar down there. So that is something I'm pretty involved with right now. Yes, Mm -hmm. I did see that on Facebook. And I was hoping that you were going to share that. I was going to come to your first event, but then I actually had a camp overnight. Kelsey, we were we were thinking, like I had been telling people, I even told the owners, and they had done our research on our website, and they said, hey, this looks amazing. We just upgraded our license so that we can have live music in here, and, and this is something we want to do. And I said, okay, well, when we started in Springfield, it kind of started small, 30 people at the first one, so I don't really know what to expect in a new city. And they knew that, and I had been telling other people that, but that night, we had 100 people show up to sing these shanties and sea songs. A lot of people from our Facebook group, people from, strangely enough, which I guess a lot of people are on, um, and looking for things to do. And everyone just lost their minds. They were obsessed with it. The owners were so happy. Um, we're actually in the process of scheduling out all the way through July, having it at Rochester. So this is going to be a very consistent thing. Yeah so exciting to be doing this with our community. I sing in a few kind of like, uh, I guess you would call them project choir type groups. I sing at St. Paul's um, Episcopal Church. It's with Sam Anderson. He's the director there. Okay. A ton of fun. And I sing with some other bold some singers in there that also sing in Casey Corral. But yeah, that's my main job. Other than that, I sing with a group, Cardinalis. And that's a combination of the Choral Scholar program they have there, as well as local professionals that Dr. Tony Maglione said. Then I also sing with a group called the Missouri Choral Artists that Kelly Garrison is one of the presidents of organizers. And we typically do about three to four concerts a year. And the MCA are like project choirs. They don't meet all the time. It's usually a show up. You have the music learned thing. I'm doing things that I love. You know, why would you, why would you ever spend your time not doing that? I guess. (laughs) If you could bring one thing from camp into your everyday life, what would it be? Ooh, if I could, that I'm not currently bringing in. (laughs) Is that such a hard question? Because I feel my teaching identity is is camp and it's so ingrained in what i do so it's hard to to bring those back is this is are we talking more of like a like from a professional standpoint or just in general like in my life or oh just in general 
And if that's too broad, we can skip it too. No, 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 that's okay. Um, Honestly, I want to get outside more. One of the things I loved about camp was that we were just outside all the time. The amount of times that we had our staff members jump in the pool with their phone, (laughs) too many to count. And then they would be at their phone pretty much for the rest of the summer because their parents wouldn't trust them with it. But it was just so much fun to not have that distraction and to just feel how long the days would be when you were just with other people outside. So something that I've been getting back into has just been going for walks my kind of apartment neighborhood and getting into disc golf again. I actually do like to run, so I'll do that. And even without the distraction of even listening to music, just enjoying being outside, that's something that, that's a gift that camp really gives you when you go is that you don't have any distraction. It's just you and nature, fresh oxygen and uh, feeling the sunlight. I think more people could use that, especially coming out of a pandemic where you really did feel like you had to be inside. Zach, you and I might be the same person. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> as well. I actually, believe it or not, I ran, actually my fiance and I both did it too. We ran Bass Pro half marathon. And on my Kelsey, four, when did, wait, when, when did you do that? In November. Oh, this past November? Yes. Uh-huh. I did the half marathon two years ago and I guess three years ago now, and I did the full marathon, that same one two years ago. So that's an awesome race. Oh. I kind of started at Missouri state, a running club. <laughs> Dr. LaVar was definitely one of the people that encouraged me to run. And he was a huge proponent of just running in groups um, and how, how better that- it is when you have someone to talk to and it just takes your mind off of things. So yeah, that's great. I didn't know that we both did the same race. That's, that's awesome. My favorite camp song is one that I, so impressed if anyone outside of the people that I have taught it to have ever heard it because I learned it at national camp school. I went up to the guy after he performed it for the campfire. I was like, this is the most amazing song ever. Where did you hear it? And he said, oh, I literally made it up for this campfire. And so the song, this is an exclusive. The song is called NASCAR Chicken Wing. And it is probably the most ridiculous and hilarious camp song that I know. Yeah, it's just great. Like the level of just how active it is and the motions you do. And it's just so unexpected. It is the, it's the quintessential Midwestern, like just hokey thing to do. There are emotions that go along with this because we're kind of okay. doing it in a, in a hokey Midwestern slash Southern accent. So, so you're just basically going NASCAR chicken wing and you repeat that like four times, but there's different actions. So the first time you're making like your chicken wings. It's the second time you're kind of doing like, oh gosh, I don't know, like the monkey dance. I guess when you put your arms like straight in front of you and go up and down, this is hard to describe. Yes. The third time is my favorite. And that's where you kind of squat down like you're sitting on a couch and you have a remote and you're kind of like, like you're trying to change the channel. And every time I repeat that part, I always make the NASCAR chicken wing more and more inaudible. I'm basically just acting like I've never gotten off the couch. And then you go back to the chicken wing. So that's the chorus. You always come back to that. And then the verses, I'll try to slow down because it's kind of hard to hear, but you go strolling into the KFC and there's really no pit. You're just kind of shouting these things like post camp song. This is a repeat for me song. So you say, strolling into the KFC, the clerk looked at me, what's it going to be? I say, you must be out of your mind. She says, I get that all the time. And then you go into the chorus. And there are kind of motions for that verse, but really it's just me acting out what's happening. And the kids do it with me. The second verse is you say, now the cars are going around the track. And they're going really fast, looking left to right. Here the tires squeal, smell the rubber. And I'm squealing, I'm squeals, the rubber burn. Hello, getting ready 
to take another left turn. And when you say that, you actually look like you're holding a wheel and you actually go to the left. So you move your whole body to the left and they do the same thing. And then you say, and another left turn. You go another left turn and then you have to wait. It's a long track. And so there's awkward silence. And it's my favorite part of the whole song because they're like, is it done? And then you go, and another left turn. <laughs> Circle. And you do it one more time because four, four turns. And then you go back to the chorus. For the last one, <laughs> there's only three verses. You pedal stuck and you're stomping on the ground. It looks like we're out of luck. Oh, no, look out for that pole. And you point to something and you say, it's time to stop, drop, and roll. And then I just kind of throw my arms up and spin around. And then you go back to the chorus. And that's the song. And it is absolute nonsense. And the kids always are like, why did we do that? And I just say, because it was fun. And they were like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's, it's just absolutely crazy. But it really does get, like, if I can step into my teacher hat for just a second, like, the amount of times where I have seen, like, the shy kids their shell, like, to the extreme when they do that song, and then they stay in that comfort zone of, oh, I can move and be expressive and, and just kind of be loud, and I have permission to act crazy. And that's what those camp songs allow you to do, so... That's my that's my soapbox. NASCAR chicken. <laughs> right. That's NASCAR that. chicken oh way. It's a great one. What is your favorite camp meal? Oh my gosh. Well, I think that my one of my favorites, like it's I don't know if it's a meal. It's more of a delicacy. It's the banana boats. Did you ever do banana boats as a camper? Oh yeah. It's very, very easy and very delicious. You take a banana and you peel off just one side. And then you take a spoon or a shovel, if you will, and then you actually just dig a little canal um, in your banana so it looks like a canoe. And then you get some toppings. So I personally really like chocolate chips and marshmallows, but I've seen people add all sorts of crazy things to it. And you fill the inside of the banana. Oh, and by the way, you want to keep that peel that you had peeled off from the top because you're actually going to put it back on. So it's like a little, I don't know coffin of delicious and then you wrap it up in tin foil and then you put it like in the embers of a fire not super hot and then you leave it in there for maybe three or four minutes and then you take it out and you have this warm banana sundae type creation that you eat with the same spoon that you used to carve it out with and it is one of the tastiest camp treats i could recommend to anyone what is your favorite tradition my favorite camp tradition man i think the one that everyone can relate to is that feeling that you get at the final campfire of each week because when you work on it at like a small staff you know you have so many weeks like we had four weeks of and then we had usually three week so it's just back to back to back and usually you'll get like a day off but that final campfire of each week is really special the campers at least at our camp would come down and they would do the skits and sometimes the staff would do one or two but it was really their campfire and it was always so meaningful for me and it became more meaningful as I got older to watch these campers that I had really grown um, every single week come down and perform and feel so comfortable and feel comforted by the people around them to be able to do that. It really meant a lot to me and that's what pushed me to be a music teacher in the end. But after all was done in the campfire, the staff would always get down and we would always sing our camp song. Um, which I think is like the alma mater for like every single high school in existence. And then we would always hum it. And then we would sing, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, this explains my sea shanty stuff. We sing a sea shanty, why Cape Cod girls. We'd always sing a version of Cape Cod girls. And that was always my favorite song to sing. 
because we would always add harmony to it and we would always do like a two pound of something and we would just keep singing until all the campers left. So I think that that was probably the most special tradition because we weren't singing for people. We were singing for ourselves and we were singing because it felt good to sing. That's the most meaningful type of tradition I could imagine um, growing up with. Full circle for you and singing shanties and becoming a music educator and everything. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Who should I interview next? Oof, I, I have like the best person ever. Um, she growing up. I met her through the NYLT program. And if there's anyone that is as enthusiastic about camp songs as I am, is this person. Her name is Katie Raw, but she currently lives in Columbia, Missouri. And she was one of the main staff members of NYLT along with me. Like me, she was also one of the senior patrol leaders, kind of main person in charge of things. And while she didn't go into teaching, scouts meant so much to her. And I know she has a really unique perspective because she was someone that always wanted to be involved, but she grew up in a time where girls couldn't do a lot of things. And she didn't really like the Girl Scouts because she wanted to be more camp involved. So she used NYLT as her outlet. I think she would have a really good perspective on what it's like growing up in a household with a lot of Boy Scouts and wanting to be a part of that program and how she contributed through NYLT. Well, if people have questions for you or want to contact you, how could they get a hold of you? I am so reachable now. A great way to contact me is via the Shanty Choir website. I'm the one that reads all those emails. So if you're interested in something I've said, but you can also find me on Facebook just by searching my name and maybe just send me a message and let me know either camp songs, just talk about different things. I'm always open to connect with people. I will definitely link the Sea Shanty website in your choir, sorry, in the (laughs) so that people can and see what it's all about. Those were all of the questions that I had for you. Did you have any final questions, comments, or thoughts that you wanted to share while you're on the Camp Kids podcast? I think that this is just fantastic. As soon as I saw that you were doing this, I think I was just absentmindedly kind of scrolling through Facebook. I do, but on one day I was just compelled and I saw some link that you had shared or posted and I just was like, what is this? This is everything that I'm about, like talk about camp more, um, just how impactful it is. So thank you for doing this and just spreading how impactful these experiences can be for people. All right, camp kids. That was Zach. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our camp kids community growing by spreading it to others who are also a part of the camp community. Please leave us a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating so that others can also find our podcast. Next week, we get back to our regular scheduled programming with a friend that I have met who works at a camp in the state of Washington. That's all that I have for you for now, but remember that this is good night and not goodbye.